What's up, guys, and welcome to Full Armor Radio. I'm your host, John O'Rourke. Good to be back with y'all and uh, get back to doing these podcasts. Um, the, today's topic is so, 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 so important, and I'm, I'm so glad to be able to talk about it. Somewhat controversial, but I think really important for Christians to think about, and I hope it's helpful to you. Um, it's something that I think Christians generally these days don't think about at all. It's something that is not even a category in their mind. And then even if it is, they um, a lot of times don't stick to it. It's not something that they really hold to when it comes to their practice. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about who you can vote for when it comes to civil magistrates. So here we are in the middle of September 2020. In about a month and a half, we will be um, voting for the next president of the United States. A lot of Christians are divided over this issue. You know, I've heard Christians say, if you're a Christian, you must vote for Trump. And of course, there are Christians who say, no, you, you can't vote for Trump. Or they'll say, well, I'm not sure if I can vote for Trump. I don't really like him. Right. So, yeah, that sort of issue. A lot of Christians, I'd say every true Christian knows better than to vote for Biden. Right. Biden, of course, you know, supports all sorts of wicked things. He um, he's even been um, endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Right. If that tells you anything. But see, Trump, you know, he really plays to the evangelicals. Uh, he gets an evangelical vote. A lot of evangelicals really like Trump. And, you know, I want to raise the question, what qualifications does somebody have to have in order to be a civil magistrate and therefore to earn the Christian's vote? That's what I want to talk about uh, today. So I want to go through um, a little bit of an article or a, really it's a categorized list of Bible verses from a guy named Robert Fugate. Don't know much about him. I've read this and maybe another article from him, but I thought this was really helpful and good work. I think that I'm not going to go through every single verse he lists for time's sake, but I will go through a, uh, I'll go through a, a few of them for each category. Um, I just think that we need to really consider these portions of Scripture when we consider voting for somebody, um, because really we have a battle of, of two things here of being a pragmatist or being somebody who votes based upon biblical principles. That's what we have. Should we go by pragmatism or by principle? Pragmatism meaning, well, this will probably work out better, so we'll vote for this guy. You know, in 2016, why did a lot of Christians vote for Trump? Well, he's not Clinton, right? He's better than Hillary Clinton, so we'll vote for him. That's a good enough reason. Or they'll say, well, he'll probably be appointing Supreme Court justices, so that's a really big deal, they think. So they'll vote for him. So that's pragma pragmatic reasons. Well, it'll probably work to our advantage, so we, it's good to vote for him. What about, what about biblical principles? What about voting on principle? Well, that would be voting for somebody if they meet the qualifications that God has laid down for civil magistrates, right? Why does that matter? Why does God have um, the right to tell us what a civil magistrate should be? Well, the answer is obvious. I mean, one, he's the creator of all people, and also he's the institutor of the, the civil magistrate in general. He's the institutor of civil government. Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. See, governing authorities, the civil government, has been instituted by God. It is a God-ordained thing. Why? What's the purpose of it? Romans 13, 1-7 tells us, they are to be ministers of God to carry out justice against the wrongdoer. Right? 
like in verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Right? So, the civil magistrate is a minister of God who bears the sword for God on earth. He brings judgment against those whom God deems as criminals. That's the purpose of a civil magistrate, right? In a nutshell, he punishes criminals, Romans 13 tells us. So God tells us what civil government is instituted for, but he also tells us what they're supposed to be like, what qualifications they have in order to fill that role. So let's go through a little bit of those qualifications here from um, a fellow named Robert Fugate's article on qualifications for biblical civil magistrates. So I wanted to start right here just with this part of his introduction. He says this, During the GOP primaries, national evangelical leaders were almost totally divided among themselves regarding their presidential endorsements. This clearly indicated that they were operating by differing and conflicting standards. They absolutely are. And he identifies them rightfully in point two. It says, when choosing candidates, pragmatism seems to be more important to evangelical leaders than the teaching and application of scripture. So you have pragmatism versus principle, biblical principle. Are you voting based upon what you think will probably work out the best? Or are you voting on biblical principle? What qualifications are required of civil magistrates? That's the real question. He says in point three, the evangelical church does not apply the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture to the areas of civil government and economics. This even applies to those professing commit those who profess commitment to sola scriptura. So if we think that the Bible is the sufficient word of God, that's the only rule for how we are, what we are to believe and what we are to live, then certainly it follows that this, that the Bible does tell us how we are to vote under you know tells us what we are to do when, with regard to civil magistrates and it, and it clearly does tell us that and we'll go through some texts that say that so what does a civil magistrate need to be according to god what are the qualifications in order to earn the christian's vote well here they are number one religious qualifications they need to fear god they need to fear god exodus 18 21 this was um, advice to Moses from Jethro on how to select judges, right? Um, Exodus 18, 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people's able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place, oh, place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So, first of all, the, the rulers need to fear God. They need to fear God. Very, very important. <laughs> they need to also trust the Lord. Um, Psalm 2. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Blessed are all who put their trust in him. Right? Um, Psalm 21, 7. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. We also have to have a person who submits to the Lord Jesus Christ, which we have in Psalm 2, 10 to 12 a warning to kings now therefore be wise O kings be instructed you judges of the earth serve the lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way 
when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. So what does that what does that all come down to? What are what are we to summarize this as then? What this means is that a civil magistrate needs to be a Christian. That's what it means. A civil magistrate needs to be a Christian. Somebody who fears God, who trusts him, and submits to him. Psalm 2. Let's talk about Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a very important psalm with regard to civil government and to civil rulers. It's a psalm of that asserts Jesus' lordship over all, including kings, especially kings in Psalm 2. Let's, let's read through Psalm 2 quickly. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So you got these kings, these nations that are saying, Let's get rid of God. Let's get God the Father out of here. Let's get Jesus out of here. Let's, let's break the bonds that they put on us. Let's, let's not submit to his law. Let's do our own thing. Let's be autonomous. Let's do whatever we want. Let's cast their cords away from us, right? Wicked kings, right? They don't want anything to do with God. They want to be, they want to be the ultimate authority. But what this psalm asserts is that Jesus is the ultimate authority. How does God respond to these wicked kings? Verse 4, he says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs in their face, right? The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. See, those kings of the earth, they should be fearful of that statement. God the Father says, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Who's that? King Jesus. You better be scared. You better fear him. He'll speak in his wrath. I have put a king over you. That's what God the Father says. Verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And see, we have that. When Jesus you know, came, came and lived his life and accomplished salvation for his people, after his resurrection, before his ascension, when he gives the great commission, what's he say to the disciples? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? See, God the Father gave him all authority as the messianic priest king, as the theanthropic mediator, the, the God-man who stands between uh, man and God the Father, who mediates for us, the one mediator. He is the priest king who rules over all. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus. The nations are his heritage, the ends of the earth his possession, and the, kingdom, the advancement of his kingdom will have no end. The increase of his government will have no end. Verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's what Jesus will do to these nations who do not obey him and who do not love him. This is the warning to kings. Verse 10, now therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord, serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Right? 
So a very clear and direct warning to rulers, to civil magistrates, be warned and be wise, kings. You better trust Jesus and love him, kiss him, obey him, or he will destroy you. That's what we get from here. Kiss the son, kings. You better kiss the son. If you're going to continue to cast off the bonds of Christ, he will destroy you. He'll smash you like a pot. It's like taking a crowbar to a ceramic pot. Super easy. No problem for Jesus to smash them. We similarly have in Psalm 110, which is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Psalm 110, <clears throat> verses 5 through 7, also about Jesus. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way, and therefore he will lift up his head. Same thing. King Jesus rules over kings. He is indeed the king of kings. That's one of his titles, isn't it? The Lord of Lords. Even kings must bow to Jesus as their king. Your, your ruler, the president, is not the ultimate authority. Jesus is. And the president has been warned by Psalm 2 that he better, he better kiss the son, love him and obey him, or he can expect the judgment of God. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath, smash them like a pot, potter's vessel, like a pot. And verse 7, he will drink from the brook by the way, and therefore he will lift up his head. What's that saying? He will not get tired of doing it either. Jesus is never weary of executing his justice against these kings. He will refresh himself by the brook, lift up his head, and go to battle against them. He will. He will fight against them, and he will not cease from doing so. Right? He will put his enemies under him. So we have that. So number one, a civil magistrate whom a Christian should vote for based upon biblical principles needs to be a Christian. He needs to trust God. He needs to kiss the sun, right? Or he's under God's special judgment if he doesn't. He needs to trust him, to trust the Lord or else face judgment. So what does that tell us? Should we vote for somebody who doesn't kiss the sun, who doesn't love him? Well, if you, if you really love the person you're voting for, if you really want what's best for them, then they better be somebody whom you know loves Jesus legitimately and kisses the son and loves justice. Otherwise, you're voting for somebody to put them in a place where Jesus has specifically said, I will spread his corpse around and I will sh you know, shatter him like a pot. That's who you're voting for. You're voting for somebody who you are placing in a special place of judgment because they've been given authority. See, there's a biblical principle when you're given much, much is expected from you. Right, and we have that even for teachers in the church, which is a different category, but the principles there. You know, James tells us not many of you should be teachers because you'll be judged with a stricter judgment. Anybody who's given more authority or more gifts is expected to use them, right? To use them well for God's glory and, and according to righteousness. So if somebody doesn't love Jesus and who doesn't do justice, well, ultimately they are gonna be under God's wrath here under jesus's wrath because they're not going to be kissing the sun but let's think about this in a, in a bigger in a bigger picture as well if you're voting for an unbeliever what kind of person are you really voting for somebody who's is an unbeliever are they going to have are they going to really love justice in the biblical sense no it's not possible 
they will not. Jesus taught very clearly that the total depravity of man. So if somebody is not a Christian, that means they're not converted. They're not born again. And Jesus talked about people like that who are not born again um, to some Jews in John chapter 8. He says this, he's talking to Jews and they're talking about their credentials. Well, they're sons of Abraham, right? They're sons of Abraham. So he says this, they said, they said, Abraham was our father. And he said, Jesus said to them, if you, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has, has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. So I'll stop there for a second. Jesus, Jesus very clearly identifies these people as unbelievers. They're not children of Abraham and they're not children of God. Abraham's not their father. God's not their father. Saying, if you were, if if God was your father, you would love me. If Abraham was your father, you would imitate Abraham. But instead, they're in opposition to Jesus and opposition to God. That's what unconverted people do. So who is their father then? Jesus says in John 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Right? So an unbeliever, who who ultimately do they serve? Satan. Right? They're of their father, the devil, and they do his will. We're, we're all naturally enslaved to sin, enslaved to Satan. And we want to do those things only until Jesus, you know, uh, frees us from that slavery. Are we able to serve him? In verse 36, before all this, Jesus says, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Right? So you have to be saved by Christ in order to be a Christian, somebody who is no longer following their father or the devil. So should we expect a non-Christian to do righteousness in his role? No, of course not. Why would he? He's a slave to sin. He does his, the will of his father, the devil. So again, if you're voting for a non-Christian, one, you're putting them in a position where they're under the special judgment of Jesus. And two, they are unable to obey God. They have no desire to obey God. And they just follow their father, the devil. Right? That's very, very clear. Similarly, Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that's set on the flesh, that is the unbeliever, that mind is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're still in the flesh, you're still um, you know, not of the Spirit, you're not born again, you're not given the Holy Spirit, you are unable to please God. You are unable to submit to God's law. You are unable to obey Him. You are unable to do righteousness. Right? You're going to have somebody who ultimately judges, rules as, rules as somebody who is unjust, who's not a Christian. So Christians are meant to care about justice. So if you vote for somebody who is unable to do justice in a consistent way, well then, I think you failed in, in who you're voting for, right? That's not to say that a non-Christian can't make some good decisions, but the thing is there's not going to be consistency and no consistent justice. And 
Just because they're doing some good things doesn't mean that God approves of them. You see, the key is submitting to Jesus and honoring Jesus and kissing the Son. Not just doing some good things here and there, right? It's about honoring Christ as their Lord, and the Lord over that nation. The king, Jesus is the King of Kings, and they need to bow the knee to him, kiss the Son, and honor him, right? So that's what we have under religious qualifications um, for a civil magistrate. Next, we have some moral and ethical qualifications, and some of these are pretty similar. But the person needs to be a man of truth. Again, Exodus 18. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place them over, place such over them to rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Right? Proverbs 29, uh, 14 here. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Right? So you have that type of thing there. There needs to be somebody who loves what's true, hates falsehood. You know, loves God, of course, and will do what's according to the Bible instead of what's false. He needs to be a wise person. Deuteronomy one thirteen: Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I'll make them heads over you. Right? They need to have wisdom. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty six: A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. Right? See, so a wise king can discern how to use the law, discern who's really breaking the law and who's not a, a good judge, somebody who judges with wisdom and equity, somebody who knows God's law and is good at applying it, really is what wisdom is about here, who can apply it fairly and accurately and not let his emotions or, or um, his preconceived notions or prejudices get in the way. Um, that's somebody who's wise. And, and also the next thing, somebody who's impartial. Um, for example... Uh, Deuteronomy one seventeen: You shall show, you shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small <clears throat> as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, bring to me, and I will hear it. So somebody who, you know, really loves justice and who will not show partiality to the rich or to the poor. Somebody who, all that matters is what's true, what's just. I don't care who you are. I don't care how special you think you are or other people think you are. That's it. Like Deuteronomy 16, 19. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality or take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Taking a bribe, which is, I believe, one of the next things here. You can't take a bribe. You can't be you know, somebody who perverts justice for money or for some sort of advantage or for votes or whatever. You need to say, I'm going to do what's right no matter what. So that principle of obeying God rather than men or making God smile rather than men smile, being a servant of God rather than a servant of men in this case is doing what's right no matter what men may think. Right? That's the key. <laughs> the person who's a civil magistrate must also be a keeper of God's law. This is an important one. Of course, Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20 is a really important section here. It says, also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn the fear of the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, 
and he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Right? So this king is meant to have his own copy of the law that he wrote out. So he really needs to be saturated in God's law so he can know it and then know how to apply it. So if a case comes before him, he's thinking, well, I just read that. I just read the case. I just read the law that applies to this case. So I know how to, I know how to answer this. I know how to give a just judgment. He needs to be saturated in God's word. So a civil magistrate can't be ignorant of the Bible. He has to have really good theology and really, really be trained on how to apply God's word, how to understand it and apply it. That's really, really key. And I think a lot of times Christians think, well, the civil magistrate doesn't have to know the Bible at all. You know, or some people even think the well, civil magistrate is unable to understand the Bible. He's incompetent. Well, that's that's really arbitrary and kind of irrational to say that a person who is a civil magistrate all of a sudden is unable to understand the Bible. As already established before, a civil magistrate is meant to be a Christian, somebody who kisses the son, appears the Lord. And therefore, he has the Holy Spirit and is able to discern the Bible. Now, he should be able to, he needs to study it, like this, this passage says, he needs to have his own copy of the law so that he can do it well. You see, civil magistrates aren't meant to be ignorant of the Bible. They're meant to be experts in the Bible because it applies directly to their, to their job. <clears throat> How are they meant to judge with justice if they don't know what justice is? You only can learn what justice is from the Bible, right? <coughs> so Proverbs, like Proverbs 28, 4, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law, contend with them, right? So if a, a magistrate is going to be a Christian, they need to love the law of God and contend with the wicked and say, no, you are wicked, you're doing wrong things, and I'm against you because I'm for God. So again, uh, the civil magistrate needs to hate dishonest gain or bribes, as it says here. You can't pervert justice or show partiality or take a bribe. Deuteronomy 16, 19, of course. Hates covetousness, uh, Exodus 18, 21. They need to be God-fearers, men of truth, who hate covetousness, right? <coughs> Proverbs uh, 28, 16. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his day. So, you know, somebody who who is wise, understands God's law, kisses the sun, he is going to be a good ruler along, a ruler along in the land. But if a ruler doesn't have those things, if he doesn't love God, keep his commandments, and have wisdom, he's going to oppress you. And that's exactly what we've seen in our country for decades. It's unbiblical ways of ruling, and therefore we have great oppression against us. So that would, you know, that takes out anything. He has a good point here. This, this precludes or takes out any possibility of those with socialist tendencies, including Christian socialists. Socialism is the politics of covetousness. Great quote. Socialism is the politics of covetousness. Covetousness, or socialism rather, socialism is based upon covetousness and theft, right? Redistributing people's wealth. So taking it by force and then redistributing it to other people is theft and is based upon covetousness. I don't have, enough, I don't have what I think I deserve, so I, you need to take it from them and give it to me. That's covetousness. God does not approve of sinful forms of government. Things that break his commandments like thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet. Right? So somebody who is a ruler who's covetous and who thinks that people should get stuff for nothing and who don't have to work for anything, um, that's an unjust ruler as well. And that's not somebody who should be, who fits the qualifications to be a, a, um, a civil magistrate. 
So you need to be men, <laughs> men of integrity, faithful people, merciful people, humble and teachable, so on and so forth. Um, I won't go through all of this because I just want to make um, one main point. I'll, I'll put this in the link in the description. People can read through this whole thing um, if they want to. But for the sake of time, I'll go ahead and, and, and stop there on the uh, biblical qualifications sheet. My point is this. And this is this is the simple point that people need to take away is that when you vote for somebody, they need to be a Christian who loves justice. Now the rest, the rest of that little article detailed on what that what that looks like and what that means. They need to be a serious Christian who knows the law of God and who really wants to apply it. Okay, who really wants to do justice biblically. Okay, who's going to go to the Old Testament? Look at the crimes there and say, I'm going to be a minister of God and deal out punishment for those who commit these crimes, right? I'm going to punish the wrongdoer. I'm going to punish the evildoer, the person who, who commits the crimes as defined by God. God defines what crimes are, not men. We're minister, civil magistrates are ministers of God, not ministers of their own imagination. They minister what God says to do. So if the since God says, Punish murderers with capital punishment. That's what the that's what they're supposed to do. Use the sword to punish the wrongdoer. Since God says to you know make the thief pay restitution, then he shall make the thief pay restitution. He won't throw him in prison or cut his hand off. He's going to do what God says is just. See, God has that principle, the lex talionis, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, which simply means the punishment shall fit the crime, right? So he's not going to make up his own penalties. He's not going to say, well, I think theft is really, 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 really deserves to be a death penalty offense. That's an unjust penalty because God says, no, theft is not a death penalty offense. It is a restitution offense. You need to pay restitution. Somebody says, well, the murderer, <clears throat> that's no big deal to me. He needs to pay a fine of 50 bucks. See, that's an unjust penalty, right? It needs to be based upon God's law and God's law demands a capital crime for murder. Those are just some examples. So somebody who loves justice, who will rule according to God's commandments, that's the person you're looking for. Somebody who is a, a genuine Christian who will kiss the sun. And remember, in, in point of summary, why can't you vote for a non-Christian? One, God commands civil magistrates to be Christians. See, civil magistrates are not exempt from the command of all men everywhere to repent, which we're told in Acts, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Now, civil magistrates are people too. They fall under the category of all men everywhere. They need to repent as well. Specifically, besides just the general category of all human beings who are commanded to repent, you have the specific call to kings in Psalm 2 and Psalm 110. That's just a couple examples where they are specifically called to love Jesus, to kiss the son lest they be judged. Right? So don't vote for a non-Christian civil magistrate because one, you're voting for somebody whom God has said does not qualify to be a civil magistrate. Two, you're voting for them to be in a position of Jesus' special judgment against them. He says very plainly he will smash them into pieces and scatter these kings' corpses around. And if you love the person you're voting for, you certainly don't want that for them. I don't want that for Trump. I don't want him to be under God's special judgment. I want him to repent. To repent and trust in Jesus legitimately and be saved and go to heaven when he dies. Um, you also shouldn't vote for a non-Christian because a non-Christian is unable to uh, consistently submit to God's law and uh, establish real justice because he would rather follow his own sinful imagination rather than God's law. 
he cannot submit to God's law. He's, he follows his father, the devil, Jesus taught us. So if you want justice in your land, voting for a non-Christian is not the way to get it. You wouldn't need to vote for, for who? A Christian who fears God, of course. That's what a Christian is. A Christian who fears God, who is wise, and who hates covetousness as a summary. But look at, look at the, the article as well, and you'll see a number of other things that the Bible lays out. But I just wanted to give an introduction to this topic. So, Christians, how are we going to vote? How are we going to vote? Pragmatically or based upon biblical principles? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we going to vote and say, well, I'm going to pick the lesser of two evils, which of course is still picking an evil. Or are we going to say, no, I'm going to pick people who are, you know, really standing on biblical principles and I'm going to make judgments based on biblical principles instead of what I pragmatically think is a good idea. What this means is, you know, people raise the question, well, what if we don't have anybody running who fits these qualifications? Well, that's a really important point to make. Here's the answer. Have Christians start running for office. Christians who fit these qualifications start running for office, please. Start running for office. Okay? Instead of saying, well, we have no options, be the option. Be the option. Christian men out there, if you fit these qualifications, run for office. Run for your state. Run as a state representative. Run for the Senate. Run as, you know, on your on your county commission or your city council. Men out there, run for president. Okay? Run for these things. Give Christians a real biblical principle you know, candidate to, to vote for. And then Christians, we need to vote for Christians. Okay, we need to get Christians running. We need to vote for them. And we need to say, I don't care what, you know, the, about the two-party system. I don't care if people are really voting for a Republican or whatever. We need to vote on principle. We need to vote in a way that's pleasing to God. Right, we need to vote in a way that's pleasing to God instead of what we think, who has a chance or who we think is, is the best option, not based upon principle, but just because, well, he's better than the other guy, right? So I would I would encourage you, definitely think about these things, look through the Bible passages, and vote based upon biblical principles. I'm not just talking about for the president, okay? I'm talking about even for, in some ways, very even more important offices, like who runs as a state representative, right? The people who are in charge of putting bills forth that come into law in your state. Or your local, you know, your local county commission or city council, those types of people. Start there. Run for your city council. Run for your county commission. Run for a state representative. You can make a huge difference as a Christian, and you have a decent chance of winning on those lower levels. Um, as a president, it might be really hard to win as a president running on, on biblical principles. Not that you shouldn't try. But on these lower levels, it happens. It happens occasionally that we get legitimate Christians who really love justice and who do fit these qualifications who run. So I implore you, if you're a Christian and you meet these qualifications, really consider that because I think that's a really important thing for Christians to do. And we have that example to us in the Bible. You have godly kings and you have wicked kings. And if you read through, you know, Kings and First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, you can see that God did not approve of many of those kings, but he did approve of some like King Josiah, King Hezekiah, you know, King David, right? These people, why did he prove them? Because they love God and they love justice and they wanted to keep his commandments. They weren't perfect men, but they really did strive for biblical justice. When 
in when Josiah was king and they rediscovered Moses' law, you know, God's law given through Moses, Josiah repented and he went down and tore down the idols, right? He did what was right according to God's law. That's what we need. People who will submit to God's law and do what's right. So I implore you, we need to have a, a reformation in our thinking and a reformation in our actions. Not just uh, sitting around and voting pragmatically, but putting forth Christian candidates and voting for them, making sure they win. Voting for them, rallying around them as Christians, saying this person stands on biblical principles and therefore we as Christians will vote for them so that they can do justice as God's ministers of justice who do not bear the sword in vain. That's the point. So, important introduction here. I hope this was helpful. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to uh, our YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and, and hit the bell too. That'll give you notifications from when we upload videos so you don't miss anything. Also, now um, the podcasts are on uh, all your favorite podcast catchers. So, if you're not already listening, online through those uh podcast streaming platforms go ahead and, and subscribe on those as well and um you know follow us there we're also on facebook full armor ministries on facebook that's facebook.com slash full armor men m-i-n we're also on instagram instagram.com slash full armor ministries you can also uh contact us or check us out at full armor ministries.org um and there's a contact form on there as well and um so with that, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up the, the Full Armor Radio broadcast um, today, the, the podcast today. So uh, we thank you so much for watching or for listening, and I hope you'll consider these things. And God bless you.